0: Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. Today, I'm interviewing an impressive guy, Alan Stein Jr who has spent 15 years working with the highest performing basketball players on the planet, including NBA finalist Kevin Durant. We talk about how to utilize the same strategies in business that elite athletes use to perform at world-class levels. You're gonna better understand how to raise your game as a leader and create unparalleled customer experiences and improved organizational performance with earned trust at the forefront. I believe you're going to shift your mindset and actions from this episode. Please share it with others. Subscribe to Doing CX Right on your favorite podcast channels and leave me a review. It means so much. Now, let's get started with the show. Hello, Alan Stein Jr. Welcome to the Doing CX Right show.
1: Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to a fun conversation.
0: Yes. Now, you have been speaking about such inspiring topics that correlate to similar passions of leadership, employee experience, showing up as our best selves, and customer experience impacts. So before we begin, please tell the audience, who are you? What do you do?
1: Well, on a personal level, I'm an amicably divorced father of three. I have 11-year-old twin sons and a nine-year-old daughter. Uh, Professionally, which is probably what your audience is more interested in, uh, I'm a keynote speaker, performance coach, and the author of two books, one that's currently out called Raise Your Game and one that will be out in April called Sustain Your Game. And most of my background was spent in elite-level basketball. So I've been able to observe and work with firsthand many of basketball's best players like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, uh, and Kobe Bryant. And I got to learn firsthand the the mindsets, rituals, and routines that guys like that use to perform at a world-class level. And I now share those same principles and strategies uh, with folks in the business world.
0: I love that. That is very powerful and a unique spin to some of the things that people are talking about. So this is awesome. Now, why? Let's talk about your why for a minute. What's your passion? Why raise your game and your passion around this?
1: I mean, the the epicenter of my why is simply to fill other people's buckets. You know, I, I do everything I can, uh, whether it's producing content, uh, being a guest on someone's podcast or delivering a keynote or writing a book. Uh, it all has the exact same goal. And that is to add as much value to someone as I can, you know, both personally and professionally and, and share with them things that have, uh, not only worked with the the athletes and the businesses that I've worked with, but I've worked in my own life as well to help them, you know, elevate their performance uh, in a variety of different capacities. So everything I do is in service of the audience.
0: I agree. I, I relate to that. What's a fun fact that people may not know about you personally or professionally?
1: Uh, most people don't know that I'm I'm actually heavily introverted. Uh, most people assume because you can find me on stage or find me, you know, guest appearing on someone's podcast, um, that I'm extroverted. And and I use the definition of where I derive my energy from. I absolutely love people. I love being around people, and I love pouring into people. But that actually drains me. You know, at the end of a keynote. Uh, or at the end of a workshop, I'm mentally, physically, and emotionally exhausted. And the way that I refill my bucket and recharge my battery uh, is through solitude and is through alone time. So uh, I make sure throughout the week to carve in plenty of time uh, to be in solitude so that I can refill my bucket, so that I can be of most service to others. But most people, they're surprised by that because they assume if you're a keynote speaker that, that your automatic default uh, is to be an extrovert. That's great.
0: Really good wisdom. And I bet that's going to resonate with a lot of people because you're right. There is this perception when you're so public that you're an extrovert and and where you're right. It's about where you derive your energy from. And I bet that you've learned a lot about energy management, especially with those high performers on the basketball court.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, My number one goal is to always show up, and I do that in air quotes intentionally because as we've all learned over these past 18 months, many times we have to show up virtually, but my goal is to show up for everyone, whether it's a a corporate client, whether I'm giving a keynote, or whether it's for my own children, I want to show up as the best version of myself, and I want to show up with my bucket full so I have the most to give others and to pour into others, and as you just said, I've learned how to manage my energy and manage my time and And do so, uh, so I can do that effectively.
0: So let's talk about that, what you have learned. And you need that energy. You need to be able to show up so that you can actually service customers in this case, in a business sense. So can you explain what have you learned from being in a sports world that correlates to business in, in this regard?
1: Well, the number one lesson that I learned, and I learned this directly from the late, great Kobe Bryant back in 2007, uh, and this is really the, the foundation of everything that I teach and everything that I believe in, and that is the best never get bored with the basics. That in order to be good at anything, in any area of business, but especially when it comes to customer service and customer experience, that you have to embrace the basics and you have to embrace the fundamentals. So whatever area of your life you're looking to, to level up, you need to identify with great clarity. What are the basic building blocks of that? And then you need to work towards mastery of those. And in and, and many cases, mastery will happen during the unseen hours. You know, I mean, even if we look at customer service or customer experience, there's so many things that can be done leading up to that point in time, uh, things done in preparation to give you a better chance of delivering an unparalleled customer experience. Mm-hmm. Yes for sure
0: talk to me about a winning mindset
1: a winning mindset and boy has that been something that's uh, really been tested over these past 18 months in particular but a winning mindset uh, in my eyes starts with the belief that i'm simply going to do the best i can with what i have wherever i am i'm going to do the best i can with what i have wherever i am and inherent in that mindset is taking extreme ownership and accountability and saying, I'm not going to blame, complain, or make excuses. I'm going to focus on the things that I have control over, which is my own effort and my own attitude. And I'm not going to blame, complain, or make excuses about anything that's going on in the outer world. I'm going to be full in full control of my inner world. And to me, that's really the, the epicenter of having a winning, winning mindset.
0: Yeah, you brought up the basics before. I'm finding that people are not getting the basics right. In other words, they're not picking up the phone when that's really the the easiest thing to do to make another employee, a colleague, a customer understand. They take the silent path. They're not getting the basics right. Why do you think it's so hard? (laughs) And what do we do about that?
1: Well, in all honesty, uh, in most areas of life, whether it's sport or business, the basics can be rather mundane and the basics can be rather monotonous. And and I think we live in a society that keeps encouraging us to chase what's new and what's hot and what's flashy and what's sexy and skip over the basics. You know, we're constantly told that we should be looking for a shortcut or a hack or an easier or quicker way. And, And I think that societal pressure is part of the problem that we all tend to feel like we've graduated past the basics and we need to be doing some more advanced techniques. And, and I think most people, unfortunately, make things way more complex and way more difficult than they need to be. Uh, I, I'm a big believer that you know simplicity uh, is the key. Simplicity will actually increase speed and increase efficiency and effectiveness in everything that we do. And the way to increase that is by staying focused on the basics. So once again, whatever it is you're trying to improve, you know, you just mentioned communication with a colleague, you know, what are the basic building blocks of effective communication? You know, a few things come to mind. Uh, One is, is making sure we've established trust and a mutual respect. Two is making sure that we learn to speak the other person's language, you know, find out what's the best style and way to communicate with them based on their preferences, And then we need to stick to those things. You know, what are the mediums that they prefer? You know, I'm a big believer that to be an effective leader and to be an effective communicator, you have to defer to the other person's preferences. So if they prefer text message, then you need to learn how to effectively communicate with them via text message. If they'd prefer a phone call, then that's the route that you need to go. It's all about being chameleon-like enough to deliver what the other person would prefer. And that in itself is, uh, basically the definition of 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 wowing someone with uh, unbelievable customer experience is great businesses and great leaders learn to view their own business and organization through the eyes of the customer and say, what are the, the challenges and pain points that the customer would have? What is it that the customer is trying to get out of this? What are the problems that we solve for the customer and what's at risk if we don't? And when you can see your own business and when you can see the world through your customer's eyes, Then and only then are you going to be able to deliver unbelievable experiences.
0: Ooh, very powerful. I want to bring back a word you said, trust. Without trust, there's nothing. How do you really build trust? How do you show up where the world's jealous? So many. How do you show up where you're able to really influence and not be where people think you're self-serving. Have you come across that and and what do you say?
1: Well, you know, one of the original coaching mantras I learned well back into the beginning of my coaching journey um, is really the creed for all coaches, but for all leaders in general. And that is the mindset that it's not about me, it's about you. Every single leader listening to this right now, whether you lead your business, whether you lead your family or you lead your church, you should be able to say to yourself, it's not about me, it's about you. I mean, that's the number one thing that goes through my mind anytime I'm on stage in front of an audience. It's not about me as the speaker, it's all done in service of the audience. And once again, that's the mindset that a business needs to have as the starting point to delivering an unparalleled customer experience is, this is not about us, this is about delivering value and delivering service to you. And when we can look at the world through that lens, that that selfless lens of of servant leadership, uh, it becomes so much more magnetic and so much more attractive. And, And that's how I think we develop that relationship. I wrote this
0: down, servant leadership. So how do you actually create that perception? Because it's so important for a leader to be effective. They have to walk that talk and get others to really believe it. And then customers will buy from the brand. Colleagues will embrace your message. So what do you say? What are things people can do
1: to get that trust? I love the way you brought that up because I am a big believer from a business standpoint that if, if I'm leading a business, it's my job to take great care of my team and great care of my people. And that will then, they'll in turn do that for the customer or the client. So uh, it's all about making sure that Again, from a servant leadership standpoint, I'm doing everything in my power to help train, grow, develop, and pour into the folks on my team that I've not only attracted the right people, but I've got them in the right positions so that they're able to do work that uh, they're fully engaged in. You know, They're able to do work that, that they feel like utilizes their talents. They're able to do work that they actually enjoy, and they're able to do work that they can see measurably is making a difference to the greater good and is helping the team inch closer to their vision and mission. So as a leader, it's all about pouring into your people and then that will trickle down to the customers. And that in essence is the definition of servant leadership. What do you need from me for you to perform at your best? And whatever that is, I need to go above and beyond to deliver that. Trust,
0: again, is at the forefront of this. So what else can you Build. How else can you build trust or regain someone's
1: trust? You know, trust is an interesting one because, as we all know, trust can take years and sometimes decades to earn, and can be lost in a second. Can be lost in just one moment. You know, of lapse of judgment or one boneheaded mistake. You know, uh, when it comes to the trust of your team, in particular, uh, we shouldn't be worried about perfection. You know, what we should be worried about is someone that consistently is doing everything in their power to show up as their best self and add value to the tea. Uh, And when you don't do that, when you step out of bounds and you turn it over, you make a mistake, uh, the very first thing you need to do to regain that trust is to fully acknowledge it, take full ownership of whatever it is that you said or whatever it is that you did that, that lost trust. Uh, so that goes back to what I said earlier. Don't blame, complain, or make excuses. Hold yourself to the highest level of accountability and take extreme ownership over whatever it was that you said or did. Uh, Then apologize for it if necessary. Make sure that you learn the lesson from it so that it's not done in vain. And then simply don't repeat it. You know, I think in today's day and age, whether you're talking about the trust you build with your team or the trust you build with customers, uh, people are, are quicker to forgive when you own it, you acknowledge it, you apologize for it, and you move on from it. So to me, that's incredibly important. And and I've seen uh, firsthand through a variety of different lenses that that when a business does something to lose the customer's trust, that by following those steps, when they do regain it by owning it, and, and again, looking at the world through the customer's eyes, that they'll actually have more of an evangelist on their hands. That customer will be even more loyal when you go above and beyond to fix any mistake that you may have made. Because no one's perfect. No business leader listening to this is perfect. No organization is perfect. I certainly know that I'm not perfect. So we know mistakes are going to happen. What's most important about mistakes is how we respond to them and how we move on from them.
0: Mm. Very powerful. What have you learned from working with these athletes about habits and what they do to really achieve peak performance that non-athletes can
1: do as well. Well, habits, which we'll just define as the things we do consistently and the things we do unconsciously, in essence, are going to dictate how not only successful we'll be or how high we'll perform, but also how happy and fulfilled we'll be. Uh, and our habits are the things that, that we do regularly regularly. Uh, Not the things we do when we feel like it, the things we do when we want to, the things we do when it's convenient. Habits are the things that we do regularly. Uh, There was a Duke University study that found that 42% of everything we do during our waking hours is habitual, which means almost half of everything we do from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed is on autopilot. So it's obvious that we want to make sure we're filling our bucket with as many positive habits as possible. Uh, and these can be from a variety of capacities. You know, uh, the habits that we create in order to show up as our best self uh, can take, you know, uh, place as far as our physical well-being. You know, are, are you eating right? Are you exercising? Are you getting enough sleep? Uh, they can also be for our mental well-being. You know, how much do you read, or listen to podcasts, or watch documentaries, or do other things that fill your mental bucket so that you can continue to stretch and grow. And they can also be in, in the emotional realm. You know, how nourishing are your relationships? How good is your communication? What are your habits in that area of life? So it's really important that from all of these different vantage points that we're trying to fill our bucket with as many positive habits uh, as we can, because ultimately that is going to dictate not only where we'll go, but who we'll become.
0: Mm. So in terms of becoming an influential leader, how do you become an influential leader? What is your advice for people who really have a mission to do good, need to build the trust? What's your view on that?
1: You need to live a life worth following. I mean, it all starts with your own behavior and you need to make sure that your behavior and your beliefs are in alignment Uh, because if those two things aren't in alignment, then you're gonna create dysfunction. You're gonna send mixed messages. So the very first thing you need to do in every single area of your life, both in the office and out of the office is you need to model the behavior that you want to see in others and you need to live a life that is worth following. When you can do that, you'll automatically start to create impact and influence and you'll automatically start to attract all different people into your ecosystem.
0: Roadblocks, we all face them. I'm sure there's a lot on the basketball court too. What's your advice on handling those challenges and blocks in the way?
1: The most important thing we can do to not only be aware of roadblocks and blind spots, but then to overcome them is to heighten our own sense of self-awareness. Uh, we will never improve something that we're unaware of. We'll never fix something we're oblivious to. So the very first step, the foundation, that's even why it's chapter one in my book, Raise Your Game, is we have to heighten self-awareness. We need to make sure that we know uh, both sides of the curtain of of what makes us who we are. Uh, certainly we need to know what many people label as the good stuff. You know, these are my strengths, my talents, uh, my, my goals, my ambitions, my, you know, we, we, we want to know that stuff. But then we also have to have the courage and the vulnerability to look on the other side of the curtain and be able to acknowledge our weaknesses, our flaws, our shortcomings, our imperfections, our fears, our insecurities. Uh, and, and that can be, you know, uh, scary, and for lack of a better word, that can be tough to face that stuff. But it's important that we look at both sides of the coin of of what makes us who we are, because we have to have that heightened sense of awareness. And one of the ways we actually heighten self-awareness, as counterintuitive as it may sound, is we recruit those that are closest to us and that know us the best, and ask us if the way we're viewing ourselves and the way we're evaluating ourselves in these different areas of our life is actually accurate and is actually the way the rest of the world sees us. Because by definition, we can't see our own blind spots. Now, hopefully we have the humility to acknowledge that we have them, but we can't see them. So we often need someone else that's close to us and that knows us well to have the vantage point to see some of these roadblocks and blind spots that we might not be privy to at the time.
0: So I want to go back to trust again because I've seen so much on this topic lately where it needs to be rebuilt with customers, with colleagues. How do you lose trust? What's your view? What have you seen in this?
1: Trust is immediately lost when, when your beliefs and your behavior are no longer congruent in alignment. When you as a business or an organization say one thing, but then you do another. When, when you promise that you'll do one thing and then your behavior actually contradicts that or counteracts that, that's how trust is lost. So it's all about creating that alignment. Uh, once again, I can't stress enough, it's not about being perfect. There is no business, there is no leader, there is no human being that's going to be perfect 100% of the time. So no, we shouldn't be worried about that. What we need to focus on is making sure that we have great clarity on what it is that we're aiming to deliver and then make sure our behavior is in perfect alignment with that. That everything we do in our culture and everything someone says or does in, on our team is in alignment with what we said we were going to deliver. And when you can do that, then you'll heighten trust. And when you do have a a slight misstep or a miscommunication or something doesn't go as well as planned, that's when you can use those steps that I shared previously about regaining that trust and simply acknowledging your mistake and figuring out a way to resolve it and fix it. Uh, it has definitely been my experience that the overwhelming majority uh, of customers will give you that second chance if you go above and beyond to first and foremost, listen to them. Let them Let them vent, let them share, let them bellyache over what didn't go right and don't deflect or dismiss it. Simply own it, acknowledge it and then do everything in your power to resolve it and fix it Uh, and do so the the way that they want it resolved or fixed. And when you can do that, I'm telling you, you you can actually gain a more loyal customer in the long run. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, what happens when you don't really either know or actually made a mistake, you're just living you, you're being you. Now we, we can control how we show up in the world, but we can't control how somebody else is going to receive us. That makes it tricky to really build trust because it may, we might not have done anything wrong. We, we, we're in a servant leader, but not perceived that way. What do you do?
1: Yeah. Well, this is such an insightful point that you bring up. I mean, this goes back to what I said earlier about we can't fix something we're oblivious to. And, you know, one of the things, excuse me, that every business should be fearful of is that you're going to lose a customer and they're not going to tell you why they left. You know, one of the most important things we can do is gather the data of why they were unsatisfied or why they didn't have a great experience with your product or service and why they left. And even if you can't maintain or keep them as a customer, you can at least learn something valuable that you can then, you know, change the way you do things moving forward. So what you need to do is create a culture that that preaches an openness and a willingness to hear as much feedback as possible. Really create an environment that your customers know, hey, we're doing this for you. And we want to hear anytime you're you're not satisfied or anytime we didn't deliver an amazing experience. So uh, it's not really a, a one-time thing. It's it's not really something you can get by sending out a, a generic survey at, at, at the point of sale. You really need to build this into the fabric of your organization that we welcome feedback. We want people to let us know how their experience was, both when the experience was amazing and when not, it's not so amazing. We want to hear both stories so that we can make sure that we're making the tweaks on our end to pivot accordingly. So yeah, a a customer that leaves your business quietly uh, and doesn't tell you why they're leaving, uh, we, we wanna try to reduce that number as much as possible.
0: What also is blaring to me as we're in this great resignation time is the same thing with employees. So you talked about culture. How do you build a trusting culture between colleagues, between uh, employee and their boss. How do you do that?
1: Yeah, and this, well, this goes back to no matter what business you're in, I don't know who's listening to this right now or who's watching this, but no matter what business you're in, I promise you, you are in the relationship business. Regardless of your industry, your genre, your product, your service, you are in the relationship business. uh, And that's because as you just said so perfectly, Every single person on your team is a human being and every single person you serve, every customer and client is also a human being. And the relationship that you have with those two groups will ultimately determine how successful your business is and how well your business performs. And uh, those relationships, yeah, I mean, they're they're predicated on the ability to effectively communicate and openly communicate. So we need to do those two things as regularly and as consistently as possible.
0: Mm -hmm. The answer always seems to be communication. Any question, that is the answer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, communication ultimately uh, is within a few degrees of any dysfunction. Any dysfunction in an intimate relationship, any dysfunction in a professional relationship, any dysfunction in a group, team, or organization, uh, it always comes down to either lack of communication or poor communication. So that's why uh, communication skills are some of the most valuable and most needed in the business world today. And and this goes back to kind of how we started the conversation about never getting bored with the basics. You know, communication is a a pretty basic skill set, but it's an incredibly difficult one to master because there's so many different nuances. And and that's really something, uh, a skill set that every single leader and every person in business and definitely everyone in any type of customer service role should be working to improve every single day of their lives.
0: I love it. Well, I was going to be ending this conversation with two questions, but I think maybe you answered one. You tell me that if I had many CEOs, entrepreneurs, leaders in my room right now, tons of them, what's the one takeaway? What's, what's the one thing you want them to know?
1: You know, one thing I'd say to them is to, even though you are doing everything to be in service of others, make sure you prioritize your own self-care. This piggybacks on what we said earlier about making sure that you fill your bucket first. You know, going back to my introverted tendencies, make sure as a leader that you make the time to fill your bucket first, mentally, physically, and emotionally, so that you have more to give and more to pour into others. You know, one of the mistakes I see some very noble and well-intentioned leaders make is they end up burning it at both ends. They're, they're constantly trying to be of service to everyone on their team. They're constantly in service of their customers. Then they go home and they're constantly in service of their family. And that's really noble. But if you let your you know bucket drain or you let your battery go to almost depletion, then you're not able to be the efficient and effective leader that you're capable of. So you actually have to prioritize your self-care so that you have more to deliver to others.
0: My final question, which I might know the answer to as well, but let's see is if you could go back in time to your younger 20-year-old self based on what you know now that you did not know then, what would you tell younger
1: Alan? Well, you know, the the irony to this question is the younger Alan most likely wouldn't have listened because one of my biggest issues back in my younger days was I was incredibly hard-headed and incredibly stubborn. And and I thought I knew a lot more at 20 than I acknowledge that I even know now at 45. So that would have been part of my problem, was at 20, I thought I had most of the answers. And now at 45, not only do I realize how little the 20-year-old Alan knew, I realize how much more the 45-year-old Alan still has to to learn. So if I could have cracked through that hard exterior, I would have told the younger Alan to simply be open to as much feedback as you can, that that feedback is uh, the spark and the conduit to growth and improvement, um, and that you never have all of the answers that we should always be in constant pursuit of new and better ways to heighten every single area of our lives.
0: Ooh, I'm going to play this for uh, many 20-year-olds that I know.
1: <laughs> please do. Including
0: my, including my own family. <laughs> I uh, know really powerful. Thank you so much. I know people are going to want to find you. I'll include links in the show notes, but please share what's, what's the best way to get in touch.
1: Well, the easiest way to find me is my website, alansteinjr.com. I also have an ancillary site, strongerteam.com. I'm very easily found on social media. I believe that's how you and I first got introduced was through LinkedIn. Uh, And I'm just at allensteinjr on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Uh, And you can find Raise Your Game anywhere they sell books, but most people tend to go to Amazon these days. And then the follow-up to that, Sustain Your Game will be out April 12th, but you can go ahead and pre-order that now on Amazon as well.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for the gift of you today and all the wisdom you shared. I appreciate
1: it. My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.